Thanks for joining the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. South Africa got saved in 1975 and uh, immediately knew that I was called. I didn't understand what that meant, but uh, 1981, after meeting my wife and getting married, we went to Israel and studied there for three years. And that's where our ministry began because we had a lot of international pastors and leaders that would come through with groups and they started inviting Amanda and I. And really, our ministry started as a sort of international itinerant ministry. And then it sort of developed after that. And a lot of things happened in that time. But what I'd like to do is just start off with a little African story and hopefully use that as a kind of a, you know, uh, an example of what I want to share with you this morning. Um, My wife and I were traveling in Zimbabwe. And uh, in the northern part of Zimbabwe is a lake called Lake Kariba. And uh, there's an, uh, an island on the lake. Well, it's not really an island. It's just a little peninsula, but they call it uh, an island. And it was called Fothergill. And there was a safari lodge right on the tip of this peninsula. And uh, the safari lodge invited us to come and speak there and also speak to their staff and and uh, so we did, and uh, I went, my wife and I, and actually a friend of mine, Ricky and his wife, and it was wonderful. It was probably the wildest part of Africa, and as an African, South African, this was like heaven to us. Um, but towards the end of the trip there, the owner, um, Rob Finn, decided he's going to take us on safari. Every, all the other clients were out, and so he said, we... I'd like to take you out, but I have one more vehicle, but we have to push start this vehicle. Yeah, there's something wrong with the starter motor. And I was kind of like, whoa, that's, you know, that's not what you want. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, we all push started this vehicle and off we went and saw some wonderful wildlife. And coming back to the, to the uh, water, we noticed a large bull elephant a very large one uh, foraging in the grass at the lake. So he stopped the vehicle and switched it off. And there was no hill. I mean, we weren't on a downhill. We were sort of in the bush. And I was thinking to myself, how are we going to push this vehicle if that elephant charges us or something? So we got out the vehicle and had a look. And he said, let's see how close we can get to this elephant. Um, all the ladies, all of my wife and his wife and my friend's wife decided they're going to stay. There were a couple of kids there as well. And so Rob took his rifle and Ricky went behind and I was behind Ricky and we walked through the grass, knee-high grass towards the elephant at the lake. And, uh, and I was kind of thinking to myself, what the heck am I doing? This is not good, you know. Uh, grumpy old elephant in front of us and uh, we got closer and closer and Rob said don't worry the wind's blowing in the right direction I just took his word because I couldn't necessarily feel the wind 
I was heightened with adrenaline and all that kind of thing. And we walked closer and closer to the elephant. And eventually I was really getting nervous. And uh, we walked past a little tree in the grass, a little higher than the grass. And I actually thought to myself, is there a possibility of hiding behind that little tree if that elephant happened to charge? Well, um, suddenly I felt um, the wind instead of in my face or the breeze instead of in my face, it was on the back of my head. And I thought, oh, this, this could be dangerous. And no sooner had I thought that the elephant turned around, lifted his head, flapped his ears, lifted his trunk, smelt us, and charged. And I was, <coughs> I, I selfishly thought, well, I'm third in line. You know what I mean? Um, I'm at the back of the line. But we just stood there, and Rob said, just stand still. Just pretend you're a tree. And he lifted the rifle and aimed at the elephant. And I was praying. I said, Lord, please stop this elephant and, uh, and uh, make him shoot this thing before it, it came close. And uh, suddenly I felt a very gentle breeze on my, on my face, just very gentle. And, uh, and I closed my eyes and I was waiting for a gunshot or sudden impact. I felt this little breeze and I opened my eyes and the elephant had come to a halt, literally three or four feet away from Rob, looming over us and all the dust and the debris sort of falling on us. It was kind of chaotic, but, but we just stood there and he said, just stand dead still, don't move. And the elephant slowly backed off and he said, okay, let's back off. And so we backed off very slowly facing the elephant and, Eventually, the distance was good enough, and, and I was sweating, you know, from, you know, from those circumstances. It was hot, of course, in Africa, and uh, we looked at each other and high-fived each other. That was awesome. Wow. But the thing about the story was that gentle breeze. It was so gentle, I almost didn't notice. I actually only noticed it because of the adrenaline, and my senses were hyped. And yet that gentle breeze stopped that elephant in its tracks, just like that. Still, I mean, looming over us. It couldn't move. And that really spoke to me about the things of God. Now, guys, I, I, I'm sure you would agree with me. Life has become very complicated. Um, some crazy things happening all over the world. In our churches, the pastors I deal with, the kind of questions they ask me now, uh, cannot be compared with the simple questions that guys used to ask me back in the 80s concerning church and people and so on. Things have become very complicated. And to a large extent, a lot of that is us, maybe as leaders that have added all those complications. And we need to, we need to feel that little gentle breeze again. We need to access the simple things of God in order to attain the most profound things from God. You know, um, for example, I mean, you know, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved forever. So that simple principle, there's nothing complicated by believing in your heart and accepting Jesus as Lord produces the most profound 
circumstances, the most profound results in our lives. And I, I you know, the, it's probably a cliche, but, you know, we need to get back to basics. But honestly speaking, with this world and everything that's happening in this world, we really need to get back to what really counts and what really has impact again in our lives. I think there are marvelous things happening in churches all over the world. And I'm, uh, you know, apart from miracles and all these incredible things, but just the way guys are handling church and coping with uh, management and all these, it's wonderful. But we really need to get back to the powerful, simple things again in order for that to produce the most profound results in our churches and in our lives. And so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about a few of those simple things, maybe just highlight. There's nothing complicated in this message. It's just basically an encouragement, if you like. Um, I find many times I'm, I'm sort of juggling a whole bunch of things at the same time, spinning plates, you know, trying to keep everything going. And I'm not a very good plates spinner, you know, plates are breaking. And, uh, and so I, I decided at a, at a point just to halt all that and just go back to what's, what's real. You know, believe, be baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. You know, um, uh, trust the Lord, um, faith, all these things. We need to go back to these basics and revisit them in detail. Christianity has become very complicated as well from my perspective. Some of these problems that I have to resolve or try and help resolve are so complex and so, I don't know, full of intrigue and, 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 and just, just unimaginable how a church could get into circumstances like that. Um, and so we need to untangle things and uh, we need to begin to focus on what's really important um, and, and get our people back to basics. Not basics just because they're foundations, but basics because they produce the most profound and the most awesome results in our lives. And I can speak from experience concerning that. You know, I, I, would, I was a person that never touched or never went to a church unless it was a funeral or a wedding. I wasn't brought up a Christian. But when I got saved, my life, and I'm speaking to the, um, what do you call it, you know, speaking to the experts here, but I, my life drastically changed. I want to get in back into that kind of relationship with the Lord, that everything I do that the Lord requires me to do that's very simple will bring those incredible, profound transformations in my life again. I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I am. The fact is that God has a system and uh, even though it's complicated and, uh, and difficult, God has a way where there is no way. And uh, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led, this is a very simple scripture. It's not complicated. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You know, we need to get back to sonship. We need to get back to that place. I'm not suggesting any of you guys aren't. I'm just saying that generally speaking, this is kind of where we at in the church. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God, even the complicated things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And so, you know, this really sort of encapsulates what I'm trying to say and share. Our footsteps are ordered by the Lord. We're not juggling plates. If we're juggling plates and trying to make things all, all things work, then I think we've missed it somewhere and we need to stop and just reassess. Um, the simplest, most unnoticed thing stopped that elephant in its tracks. And the simplest and maybe sort of browsed over things that God has provided for us are the very things that can stop these crisis moments, and these challenges in their tracks. Um, so, um, so I'd like to share with you uh, a few of these, maybe three. Well, that's a few. First one, first simple thing that we need to get back to is obedience. Obey. It's a simple concept. It's not a complicated concept. What? We complicate it by obeying as a result of pressure or the possibility of incrimination or fear. We don't want to miss it. And so we obey because daddy said, I have to obey. The thing about obedience is that it is something that we create. True obedience is something that Adam created. God couldn't give Adam obedience. He gave him everything else except one thing, and that was obedience. You and I cannot pray and ask the Lord, Lord, please give me some obedience. I think I'm lacking in obedience. He's going to say, I, I can't do anything. You have to give me obedience. And so we, we, I talk about super obedience. In 1 Samuel, it talks about, you know, um, Sacrifice is good, but to obey or obedience is better. I think super obedience is the best. And that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm encouraging. Others. Just obey because you love God. Just obey because it's the very creative thing that God gave you to actually put the period on creation. Creation was incomplete. And still is in a way because of Adam. If Adam had obeyed, everything would have been perfect. Period. God's purposes, period. If we obey, we put the period back and make what God is doing a reality in our lives. Amen. And so, so obedience is one of the simple things we can teach our people. And not a scare tactic. Hey, you better be obedient. Otherwise, things are going to go wrong. No, obedience brings blessing. Obedience is most, it's the basic, it's the first step in, to get back to the basics, is to begin to obey. Uh, the next one is to abide. Really, once it, we spoke about this when I was at your church back, back a couple of years ago, to abide. And I'm going to read some definitions here, accept or act in accordance with a rule which we could say is the word of God, a decision, the will of God, and or recommendation, 
the voice of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, continue without fading or being lost. To bear patiently, tolerant, tolerant. To endure without yielding, to withstand. To wait for, to await. To accept without objection or regret or motive. Um, it's up to us. We have to, we have to, and the third one is decide, but we have to decide to abide, to stay, to be consistent. This is a simple thing. It might seem hard, but if we obey, it brings that release and that ability to abide. And when we abide in him, we know what happens. He abides in us. And, and it opens us up to all these other things. We're led now by the Holy Spirit. We're directed by the Holy Spirit. We become truly sons of God. And as we do that, we're accessing all the blessings and provision and will of God in our lives. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. In John 15, 7, the same chapter, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. See, here's where we complicate our life, is we've not seen any answers, we're not seeing anything done for us, and so we reconstruct the whole theory. You know, we add that complication to it. But let, let me go to the third one, and we'll end off with the, the, the second one. Decide. Decide. It's basically choose and decide. A very basic, simple, simple thing. So you guys probably know this, but um, individuals make more, more than 35,000 decisions in a day on average. It's 12 million. 600,000 decisions in a year. That's a, lot, that's a lot of deciding. And I would say based on this, and having to live with the consequences of all our decisions, we must be experts by now. But we're not. When it comes to the things of God, we're not. You know, we're not experts. But we need to be. Because God has given us this gift of free will and the ability to discern and decide, make the right decisions. Amen. So regarding this, God makes it very easy for us. He doesn't give us a whole bunch of options. He just gives us one of two. You're either hot or you're cold, right? Uh, you're either telling the truth or you're lying. You can't be truthfully lying or you know, you can't be righteously sinful or sinfully righteous. It's one or the other. These opposites are poles apart. You have a choice. Simple. What we do is we add other variations to it, and it makes it complicated and stressful. We have to just make a decision between one or, or the other. You know, and, and really... <clears throat> um, <laughs> choosing one of these objects, uh, you know, in Revelation, I think it's Revelation, you're neither cold nor hot, you know, I'd rather have you, uh, you, you know, you're lukewarm, I'd rather have you one or the other. Uh, I think that's a very important principle. 
you know, make your choice, make your decision. Adam, you, you mustn't eat that, but I'm giving you the choice to eat it or not. It's up to you. Simple. The decision to eat it or disobey had profound consequences. You and I are living in the consequences of that decision. Um, but here's the thing about deciding, and we'll end off with um, abiding at the end. Two things. When we choose and decide, for example, to tell the truth rather than lying, we are behaving like him. We are behaving like him. He created us in his image. He gave us authority and dominion and free will. Hoping we would make the right decision. Okay. So we are behaving like him. Little God, not big God, in the likeness of him. So that's very profound. There's something very, very significant about making these decisions through an obedience that's coming from us and abiding in his presence. When we begin to do that, we begin to really unlock doors that seem to be locked in our lives. So he gave us a free will. Adam, you know, do I eat? Adam had a choice. Do I eat of this fruit or do I not? Easy. Nothing complicated. And of course, Adam created his own uh, variation of this. Um, so when we make the right decision, we are conforming our authority and dominion to his authority and dominion, using our authority and dominion. So we're behaving like God. And it's these simple things that God has provided us as the church for, and the church that can that can initiate or encourage us to be like him and not to be like us, not to be like me, what I want. When we choose and decide to tell the truth, we are in fact exercising our faith. Let me read three verses here quickly. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, Romans 5, 1 to 2. But as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. It's clear that when we look at these scriptures and others, many others, we realize that we're justified by faith, not by works. Through faith, we have access by grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not through our righteousness, but through our choice of righteousness. That's the key. Our right, we can be choosing to not lie all day long. Not lying means nothing, it's filthy rags, but the fact that you and I chose and choose and decide to tell the truth, that decision is the redeeming value of our filthy rags. Because it says that faith without works is dead. 
Why is it, is it dead? Because we're not choosing out of, out of super obedience what we should be choosing. This is the most pristine form of faith. If we could teach our people, listen, it's not that the telling truth is going to justify you because it, there's always baggage to that. There's always some sort of me connected with that. But the fact that you exercise your authority and dominion and your free will by choosing to tell the truth, that's powerful. That moves mountains. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited. So what's happening? Let's just recap here. We are, in fact, demonstrating the most pristine and most powerful faith. Yes, we have faith for things and needs, but this is a faith that is so profound, so simple, yet so profound acting and being like him, using our authority and dominion and choosing and deciding to tell the truth, and I use that as one example, is the redeeming element of our dirty rags. Just a little summary. We're justified by faith, but without the decision to act righteously, our faith is dead. So let's go back to abide, and we're going to end off there. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, and you can ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. There are some opposites related to this as well, like decisions. But these opposites attract. For example, giving and receiving. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Forgiving and being forgiven. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Giving mercy, receiving mercy. Judge not and shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. What is abiding in him? Basically, as fast as God is giving me and blessing me, I'm letting it go at the same time. As prolifically as he's forgiving me, I am forgiving at the same time. And the traction between these two opposites is that sweet spot, the presence of God. This is not a legal thing. This is not a law thing. When Jesus shared this, it wasn't like, oh, my God, we got the Old Testament law back again. <laughs> you know, I haven't forgiven a bunch of people. I'm, I'm probably going to hell. No, he was giving us a principle, a profound principle here that if I give and receive at the same time I'm positioning myself on the straight and narrow. Straight and narrow is not you've got now, you know, a plus in your good deeds and a minus in, in the rest. So, hallelujah. I'm going to read you something. I read this in South Africa. And I'm going to end here. And you know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. Number one, I want to read this quickly. Fusion. Fusion is the process that powers the sun and the stars. It is the reaction in which two atoms of hydrogen combine together, 
or fuse together to form an atom of helium. In the process, some of the mass of the hydrogen is converted into energy, hence a hydrogen bomb. Fission. Fission is the splitting of an atom nucleus into two or more uh, lighter nuclei accompanied by energy release, which is the atom bomb. So what I want to say is when we go back to the simple basics, the atoms, if you like, of God and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, when we begin to, uh, when we begin to obey, abide, and decide, a fusion takes place. He abides in me, and when he's in me, I, with him in me, abide in him. There's a spiritual reaction, if you like, a spiritual hydrogen bomb. And with that, we can multiply this amazing, amazing event, amazing thing. And we begin to share this with others and cause an atom bomb, if you like spiritual bomb, an explosion, power that is immeasurable in our lives. So finally, guys, we need to get back to basics. Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to www.joshuanations.org. To join our prayer movement, please go to prayer. JoshuaNations.org. We hope you will join us for the next episode of the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. May God bless you.